The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Thank you for tuning in to a show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, along with my partner, Jack Hartle. Good evening, Jack. Good evening, Wolf. Always good to be with you on Saturday night, and uh, we've got a, a great lineup of guests here. Well, yeah, uh, very exciting times. It, it is a new year, and uh, as a new year unfolds, new themes unfold, new opportunities, uh, new interests, uh, uh, purpose investments. Uh, Sam Sif, uh, founder of, uh, graciously spending some time with us, and probably, I would say, the busiest week of his career as his firm has just launched uh, three Bitcoin ETFs here in Canada. And I, if I understand correctly, the first of their kind in the world. Uh, Sam, thank you very kindly. Uh, welcome. Thanks, Wolf and, and Jack. Great to be here with you guys again. Uh, so you're in a very exciting space, Sam. Um, I'll tell you the first thing that comes to mind. You can laugh. Uh, but I've seen it over and over again. Uh, and again, I'm, this, this is just a skeptic in me, Sam. All right, so we'll have a little fun to begin the show. Uh, it's Saturday night, after all. Let's uh, add some levity to a topic on money. Uh, but Bitcoin's been front and center now, good golly, for a few years anyways. And since COVID, it certainly has been uh, in full throttle mode. Usually after you get a big move and a lot of interest in something, be it marijuana, uh, uranium, uh, alternative assets, uh, SPACs, uh, all of a sudden then ETFs are created and they're often created right at the top, Sam. Um, so why don't we open with that? Uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin getting above 50,000, ETF uh, now being launched, public enthusiasm through the roof. Uh, and there's a bit of a bonanza going on, uh, you know, again, from the skeptical point of view. So why don't we start with that, Sam, and then we'll get into more of the nitty-gritty about the product that you're offering. And certainly does, I, I, I'm not totally against it. I think it's got a lot of merit to it as an alternative asset class. But uh, frothiness, perhaps, what do you think? Well, I mean, first of all, I, mean, I think it's good to be always uh, somewhat skeptical in this business. As you know, I mean, if there's an idea, there's a financial engineer out there who's ultimately going to create something around it, right? Um, and we've been around the street long enough to understand that. Um, you know, I think I think that, look, I mean, you know, I think we should spend some time talking about, you know, the, the prospects for Bitcoin, and I'm happy to dig into that. I do think that um, that's a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, principal issue, you know, issues and, and opportunities there. And I think it's going to all come down to, you know, what what is the, how does this play out over time? And, and I'll give you some comments. But, you know, I think what we've tried to do as a business is really focus on, um, you know, how do we provide access to, you know, an efficient and secure way for people to get access to this asset? And that's actually, I think, the most you know important part of this innovation. I mean, it's the first in the world truly um, to give access to Bitcoin, whereby it, there's no counterparty risk. I mean, there's no kind of intermediary. You know, there are some exchange traded products and notes and things like that in the world, but this is the first true um, uh, you know vehicle in the world like as such. And you know, I liken it to Wolf. I mean, if you go back to the days um, of gold, um, you know, gold 
like Bitcoin in the 90s and in early 2000s was a clunky asset. If you wanted to incorporate it into your portfolio, if you were an individual or if you were a uh, portfolio manager or if you were an uh, institution, it was a really difficult asset to incorporate. You know, you had to set up a bunch of pipes. You had to go to the bank and it was expensive. Well, you know, then it came along in 2004, uh, a really big innovation, which was the first gold ETF, uh, you know, ticker symbol is GLD, which we, many people call it now. And yep. it was the first way for people to really get access to gold the same way they do in any other stock, you know, and it used the elegance of the ETF structure, the exchange traded fund structure, the efficiency of it. And what did it do? It, it made all of a sudden gold a core position for many investors in the way that they think about asset allocation. And it opened up the market. And of course, you know, it, timing wise was, was very good. Gold had already you know, moved well, but, but it, it, it ultimately uh, created a whole bunch of net new demand for gold globally. Uh, and of course, many ETFs spawned from there. But ultimately now, gold is considered a core asset for many people in their portfolio or a tactical asset in their portfolios. Well, if you you're know, just tuning in, so, sorry, so, 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 I just wanted to jump in here if you don't mind. Uh, and again, it's difficult. We're not in studio. We can't look at each other and sort of cue each other along the way here. So bear with us as we clunk along and try to help you manage money. And uh, that's what the name of the game is all about on Hi-Fi Radio. If you're just joining us, Somsef is uh, graciously spending some time with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how privileged we are to be able to speak to this gentleman as uh, a Canadian, as a Bay Street company, uh, has launched the first ever efficient means of buying and selling Bitcoin on a liquid, proper, regulated stock exchange. Uh, very, very exciting times without question. And, uh, you know, I like what you're saying about the GLD. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic parallel. I never thought about it that way. Uh, yet I, have to, I am thinking about Bitcoin as an alternative to gold. Uh, the GLD is an excellent instrument. And hey, uh, Sam, kudos to you. If you become the GLD of Bitcoin, uh, hey, I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> no, I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but again, carry on along that discussion because it, it does really rationalize uh, what you're saying. And, and, and again, the uh, allure... Uh, and and the, it's a difficult asset class to get your head around, is I guess what I'm getting at. Let, let, let me interject it, Sam. I think a week or two ago, we were speaking with uh, another uh, crypto expert, and they were speaking about, um, uh, I'm going to use the word coins, uh, but we'll, we'll, just say, we'll just say digitizing a real asset. And so I'm going to go now back to the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa, I can see a store of value, and I actually see something tangible. Um, with Bitcoin, the only thing that's tangible I can get my head around is the ledger behind it. But if you take the ledger and, and, and layer that over a real asset that is scarce uh, and that cannot be counterfeited, I guess, uh, why not the Mona Lisa and, and build off of that? Yeah, I mean, look, look what's happening in the NBA with these Top Shots concepts. I mean, this is something that, you know, well, if we've been talking about for some time, it's actually what's fascinated me many years ago and what got me involved in this because as a business operator, I think a lot about how, you know, um, innovation and technology is going to change the way we operate and then also how we invest. And therefore, you know, we think about this and that's what got me really fascinated because I see how uh, decentralization in general, how, you know, the structure of how um, we can think about uh, looking at assets differently. If you just look at the concept, what is what makes the Mona Lisa so valuable? It's a, it's a one of a kind. And you know for a fact that like someone's always going to you know value it you know and that's a very important principle. So there's a lot of demand, 
with very limited supply. If you look at gold, gold did the same thing, but ultimately over 3,000 years to ultimately you know, confirm to people that that asset was valuable, that people were going to you know, accept it as a, a form of you know, monetary you know, asset, but also that it was you know, not unbreakable. You, couldn't, you, couldn't, like, you can't destroy gold. Well, Bitcoin's done that in 10 years. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement. In 10 years, this software platform has basically uh, created a platform that is undestroyable, um, has a certain structure of supply, and now is effectively all a question of unknown of how much demand it has. So it's the same principle issue. And I think that what um, blockchain is doing and how, you know, call it coins and crypto could ultimately change so much of how we deal with art, with, you know, assets, with, you know, intellectual property. It's really quite powerful. Without question, uh, Jack, uh, what's going through your mind on this topic? And uh, again, the, let's, 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 let's maximize our time here with some. Sure. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us, Sam. And you certainly do have to keep a, an open mind when you're looking at uh, new and innovative technologies and you don't want to look at it with a dogmatic approach because you end up getting left behind in this industry. But um, you are certainly a, a leader in the industry, Sam. Uh, looking at the, the launch of the product seems like a success um, on all fronts in terms of uh, getting it product to market. How are you finding it in terms of tracking error, meaning um, you want to make sure that obviously the, um, the ETFs that you have are in line with actually the, the movements in Bitcoin? And then have you seen a, a premium or a discount on uh, net asset value? Yeah, no, thanks for that, Jack. And I will say we've been really, really proud of how we've got this to market. So in the first couple of days, I mean, this has now been live for uh, you know a week and a bit. And it is uh, the frenzy has been amazing, global frenzy. I mean, it's it's amazing how much demand has been coming into it. And I don't think it's like you know people jumping into it, 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 but it's really people moving from one way of buying Bitcoin or have been wanting to buy Bitcoin and now can get it. So we've gotten I think over 700 million in assets in the fund now, um, invested in in five days, and you know and continuing and and to be able to execute that type of Bitcoin and all the rest of it without you know executing in the market has been very very powerful. So the trading has been really wonderful. We've had lots of market makers. It's trading, um, you know, probably at an average of just under 1% premium to NAV, which, you know, is fantastic for this asset, given all the elements. And uh, we've been really proud of it. And I think institutions have also you know, woken up and, and they watched it trade for the first day. And, and now we're basically jumping in and using it as well, which is what I think is uh, the big change, I think, around the supply and demand uh, equation. Well, again, what I like about it the most is that we can actually now, Jack and I, trade it uh, on our exchanges uh, efficiently. Uh, and again, as Jack brought up to ask a very intelligent question, there is you know, very, very little um, uh, tracking error. Well, what is the fee uh, on the uh, ETF or on the, yeah, I guess so, it's, yeah, so, on the ETF, yeah. Yeah, so it's a 1% management fee, which is, uh, I think, you know, as you know, um, this has been a space where fees have been quite expensive. Um, and so we were able to really get this in. It's not like a, I mean, you know, it's funny because, you know, we're generally a very low cost manager and, you know, we believe in low cost, but it's hard. I mean, this isn't your S&P 500 index. This is, there's a lot of infrastructure. There's a lot of details behind this thing. So it's a 1% management fee, which is actually a very attractive fee for the asset. Yeah, I, and again, as competition comes to market, the, the fees, of course, will move in that same direction, I'm certain. Uh, exciting times, uh, Bitcoin bonanza taking place. Uh, always been difficult to acquire units. Uh, the world is becoming simpler, purpose, investments. Uh, very innovative company launching three um, pure Bitcoin ETFs that now trade on stock exchanges, making it much easier for you and I to uh, participate in 
the bonanza. Stay tuned. More show right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I love it. Yeah, I follow uh, Burton Cummings on Instagram, and I recently learned uh, he wrote that song as a member of the Guess Who, presented it to the band in a session, and they said, that song sucks. He said, what? It's a great song. They said, nope, it's not going to make the record. He went on his own and made a big hit out of it. Yep, I'm scared. I am scared every now and then. That's what the market can do to you, and uh, certainly the volatility seems to have reared its head in the last couple of weeks. Um, and Bitcoin, of course, uh, front and center and all the, uh, shall I say, volatility in the marketplace. Uh, very exciting times, I must say, for a company called Purpose Investments. Uh, they're an ETF provider right here in Toronto and a uh, very innovative company, uh, making it easier now for the world, you and I included, to participate, if you wish, in investing uh, in Bitcoin through three new ETFs they have launched. Uh, the symbol uh, is, well, actually, it's Sam Sif. Uh, tell you uh, what the tickers are, uh, and you can pay attention to these. Maybe speak to your advisor to see if, in fact, they make sense in your portfolios. Go ahead, Sam. Over to you, my good friend. Thanks, Wolf. And so we have the Bitcoin Purpose Bitcoin ETF. It's BTCC, so BTCC with like Bitcoin, and then BTC.B, which is effectively uh, the Canadian dollar version of it, and then BTC.U, which is the U.S. dollar pay. So you, you know, if you want to buy it in a U.S. dollar account. Um, the first one is the currency hedge version, BTCC. So it's all one fund, but with different classes of access for investors based on the, the sort of way that they want to own the asset itself. So how much money, because I want to put this into the context of the Bitcoin market. The Bitcoin market, as you indicated, in 10 years has, has, has catapulted. Uh, it's now about a trillion dollar asset class. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, some of the, or the largest companies in the S&P 500 are about a trillion and a half dollars, correct? Isn't Amazon 1.5T? I think it is. Uh, gold, I, think gold, I think gold is about $4 trillion. Um, but a trillion dollars isn't that much money anymore. Believe We're just starting to throw the T around now. It used to be a B and then a, good golly, I remember if I, when I was a little boy, if I had a million dollars, eh? Bare Naked Ladies and I, we talked about that once. If I had a million bucks, but it <laughs> <laughs> means nothing today. Um, so uh, tell, tell us some, uh, how much money came into your uh, three ETFs collectively uh, and therefore how much um, uh, Bitcoin did you have to buy? Because perhaps you were competing with uh, Mr. Musk as he went out and bought a billion and a half bucks of the stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, so we've, we've bought um, so far in the first five days about just under 700 million uh, of Bitcoin uh, in the fund because uh, that's the demand that's come into it. It's been pretty amazing, the amount of uh, demand that's come in. And, um, and, and, you know, actually quite efficiently. I mean, look, I mean, the markets are liquid. And one, one of the big changes that's happened in the last couple of years has been, you know, a really uh, inc- big increase in the amount of liquidity uh, and activity in Bitcoin. So, you know, being able to execute that kind of size, I mean, although it's not 
novel. I mean, it's not easy. Uh, we, we had to do it really efficiently and institutional rates and all the rest of it. But we're really proud of the execution and, and liquidity is there to support it. Did you did you move the market again? Sorry, folks at home. Uh, I'm getting technical here, but again, it does get business and, and and stocks and bonds and you know investments do often boil down to supply and demand. Um, uh, and again, if demand comes in quickly, and that's exactly what the Reddit community have did uh, with the likes of GameStop. They got together collectively and at once, at once, they they all fired their bullets, and that's what causes. Uh, stocks to dislocate uh, too much force coming at them. Uh, so l let's go back to, do you think you moved the market? Because uh, if my math is correct, you now represent about one, one fifteen hundredth of all the Bitcoin out there, right? If it's a trillion dollars and you're getting close to a billion, that'd be one one thousandth, so you're 700 million bucks of the stuff. So I think my math is pretty rough, pretty good. Yeah, no, so no, no, we did not move the market, but actually it's really fascinating. Bitcoin, it's float meaning the actual amount of Bitcoin that's available for trading is actually much lower than the actual trillion dollars. As you know, there's a lot of Bitcoin just being held long-term by investors and, you know, the story in wallets. And in some cases, as you talked, joked about earlier, but have actually been are on wallets that have been lost, so meaning you can't even access it. And so they are sitting there in the supply side. But no, the actual, I mean, our, our effectiveness was actually, we were, we were quite amazed. Um, no impact on the market. We did not see any price movements on it. Um, and this is actually a great conversation to have, you know, because you can liken it to many asset classes, um, you know, whether or not, you know, investment funds or ETFs are ultimately having impact on the markets. And I think in some cases, in small caps and other things they do, um, we saw it um, over time in size when it gets really, really big, but not, not yet in, in anything that we've been doing. Well, again, a trillion dollars in valuation, um, you know, I, I, I can see the size opportunity, meaning there is perhaps a lot of runway. Uh, when you think about the amount of U.S. dollars globally in circulation, uh, Jack, Sam, you want to take a stab at how much U.S. buck is out there globally? Oh, I mean, it's the currency markets are massive, uh, as you know, and um, U.S. dollar would probably be in the hundreds of you know hundreds of trillions. Um, gold. You made a comment about gold. Gold is about ten trillion uh, in size. Is it is um, it ten? Thank you. Cut. Yeah. It's about ten trillion in size. So you know, yeah, and, so, and sorry, so all, all the cryptocurrencies collectively are in and around a trillion. Not so, yeah, it's Bitcoin right. plus all the second and third players. That's who are right. the other players? By who are the other players in the space? Some. Well, the only one that I really care about is Ethereum, which I actually find extremely, actually even more fascinating than Bitcoin for different reasons. They're they're very different outcomes as to why you invest in them. But Ethereum is the biggest, the second biggest. Uh, and then after that, there's a number of call it smaller ones like Ripple and others that like coin and things like that, which frankly, I, I don't find as fascinating uh, as uh, Ethereum. And, and then, of course, Bitcoin is the, for its first and is, is it Yeah. Is Ethereum uh, the one that has more corporate applications? Yeah. So Ethereum is really this kind of taking what Bitcoin did and kind of expanding it 10 times, which is around not just being a linear payment, peer-to-peer -peer payment structure, but now trying to build the kind of decentralized network of supercomputer, like you effectively think about, and it's kind of we were trying to replace what ultimately the, the the layer of the internet ultimately is today, which is a centralized net, and it's a really powerful um, opportunity, especially when you get into some of the applications like finance and, and government and things like that. From a global perspective, um, you know, governments are concerned, and Powell this week spoke, and he spoke. I, and I didn't, I didn't listen to the, the speak, and I, Jack, perhaps you did, um, but the, the head of the U.S. Central Bank was questioned on Bitcoin and its relevancy and influence on his decision-making. 
what do you think is going through government official minds around Bitcoin? Is it truly competing with their own agenda? Well, it is. I mean, look, I mean, remember, the whole principle about this blockchain uh, idea that was created when Bitcoin was first developed in back in 08 and 09, uh, coming out of the financial crisis, and then, of course, subsequently as it's evolved uh, with uh, different blockchain uh, structures, is around decentralization of power. And, and you know, so, so if you're a central bank, you know, if you're a central government, you want to maintain power. That's what you, you want to create. So it, 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 of course, makes sense that, you know, Bank of Canada, the U.S. Fed, the ECB, you know, these are central banks. The powers that lead those are going to talk negatively about it because they want it is destructive to them. And, you know, I think that is a very power. You have to when you're in, 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 in a, looking at innovation, you have to look at who's saying what they're saying. Are they biased by something? And in those cases, the people that are actually biased are the ones who are talking like this. The bank CEOs, remember when Jamie Dimon was talking about, oh, this is a fraud many years ago. Now he's, of course, particularly um, Morgan has the, some of the most efforts in blockchain. But they were saying that because it was threatening to their being in many ways. Great book I read, and it was Who Moved My Cheese? And uh, I think that's a very interesting example of some cheese being moved around the board. Um, maybe we take it back home because, uh, again, Bitcoin remains new. Uh, I continue to wrestle with the concept behind it. So uh, can you maybe, uh, we'll call it the Bitcoin for Wolfie, call it Bitcoin for Dummies. Uh, take it back home. Uh, what is Bitcoin? Where is the value, the perceived value? Why should perhaps someone with an RSP, should someone with an RSP have some Bitcoin and why? Yeah, and, and so let me ask, answer the last point first just quickly because I actually, we've created this really efficient and secure way for people to own it, but I actually don't believe that people should make this a major part of their portfolio. So I don't think that someone should own 5, 10, 15% in Bitcoin, just like I don't think that people should own 5, 10% in many assets. This is, this is a really unique asset, and for those who it makes sense, it should be a half a percent to 1.5% of their portfolio. Um, and it's really just like any other kind of bet that you have in your portfolio overall, you want to size it properly. But I think to the question, look, Bitcoin is a really powerful, it's a software platform. And it was a software platform developed, as I said, coming out of the late crisis uh, by a engineer, developer, you know, no one knows who it is, but it was, it's a white paper that was developed. But it was all about this principle of how we decentralize peer-to-peer network payments. And what then happened, and it was, it's just fascinating how they created the governance model, the security of this thing, and the infrastructure. And from there, over the last, you know, call it 11, 12 years, this has spawned into this amazing platform. But what ultimately has been developed is a supply function of an asset. So we have a supply asset. We know that there's a certain amount of, you know, call it uh, Bitcoin available. And two is ultimately there's, you know, question of the demand. And why demand is becoming more and more focused on this is not because of the technological revolution, but rather how the software is undestroyable. As I said earlier, Wolf, what has done in 10 years has effectively replicated what gold has done in 3,000 years around this principle of knowledge that this is, this is an asset that is not going away, you cannot destroy it, and it is secure. And for that reason, it is all of a sudden becoming the psyche of people as a new store of value. And, and because it's got a limited supply, all of a sudden, it's a supply and demand asset. And that's where I find it fascinating. Now, it's, what it spawned also was Ethereum, which is a much bigger technology platform and opportunity. But for Bitcoin, it has become a supply and demand store of value asset today. And that's why people are looking at it. Yeah, I think it was Michael Graham, uh, one of our analysts who was on the show a few weeks ago, and I read about this uh, a couple of years ago, 
the, the, the perceived individual who uh, germinated the concept of Bitcoin, but they weren't even sure if that individual was a real individual. But I, I understand that there was uh, some, some, some communication uh, and uh, basically a collective in, of individuals. I think they met, they met in Amsterdam, uh, took a loft and basically sat around and discussed how this would be created, who would govern it, supply, demand, potential opportunities, risk to governments, the soft, and it came together. And all of a sudden, here we are. Uh, what was, I continue to scratch my head. I mentioned this to Jack uh, a number of times. I'll repeat it again. Uh, a producer at CP24, when I was doing my CP24 days, uh, mentioned Bitcoin to me when it was $500. Uh, <laughs> he bought some, and I'm wondering if he hung on to it. I haven't seen the fellow in about five, six years, but what a smart cookie. Uh, he was certainly on the edge of some. Of course, back then, it was all about the deep web, and that was the purpose, was dealing with uh, the mob and buying a hitman. But that's not the case anymore, my good friends. Nope, indeed. You listen to Hi-Fi Radio. We're going to speak some more with Sam Seif, uh, an innovator, a pioneer, uh, purpose investments. He's the founder of the company, um, and he's certainly innovative uh, with this uh, uh, Bitcoin uh, trifecta of ETFs. He's launched one of them is a Canadian hedge product. Very simple. Uh, to purchase by the looks of things, liquid, um, efficient, uh, and easy to do. Uh, stay tuned. More show about money on Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yes, indeed, my good friends. Got to be careful out there. It's a jungle every now and then. I had some uh, wonderful conversation with one of my mentors last Saturday. And, uh, you know, he was speaking about the mania in the market. And so this market is certainly, uh, uh, you know, fraught with excessiveness. Uh, uh, it's had an amazing move. Lots of free money out there. And, well, uh, free money causes people to do silly things. Um, and here we are with Bitcoin. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not uh, Einstein or Sir Isaac Newton, but gentlemen, uh, you know, uh, Popular Delusions, Madness of Crowds, a brilliant book. I can never work my way through it, but I get the concept. And one day I will have to work on reading through it. Uh, I stopped at the tulip bulb mania part. Uh, but it's a brilliant book. Again, I repeat uh, the Popular Delusions, the Madness of Crowds. Uh, Bitcoin in 10 years has moved from what, some $500 uh, to some $50,000. Sam Seif is joining us, and again, he's the founder of Purpose Investments. Um, so far, Sam has purchased, what, 700 million bucks worth of uh, coin. Uh, Sam, I want to ask you firstly, personally, uh, do you have a little bit of Bitcoin in your own RSP? Uh, well, I have it in my own investment account. I don't know. If, I don't think it's in my RSP. Um, and so you bought have, a bit, eh? Okay. Yeah, yeah and, and I good. also own, uh, what I really own a much greater share is my, my Ethereum. But but um, I, as I said, I've been in the asset for since 2016, you know, 2017 and, you know, focusing on, you know, kind of from an innovator's mindset, from a technology mindset. And that's what's kind of got me really excited about it. And, um, but it is, you know, look, like you said, it's an extremely uh, volatile space because it's still early. It's nascent. And, and 
you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's interesting that, that a lot of people are getting more and more excited about this. And, and, you know, especially now, I mean, but I can remember a year and a bit ago, Wolf, I'm sure like you can, where no one cared about this stuff. I mean, you know, where this stuff was trading really, really low and, and, um, and, you know, the, it goes through these very deep moments where, you know, people kind of forget about it and, and demand goes away. And, and um, but, but it's interesting how this has really kind of picked up post uh, the coronavirus March uh, uh, events. No, it, 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 again, it, it is an alternative asset class. I see that. Um, you know, Jesse Livermore, uh, one of the greatest traders of all time, would say, you know, uh, if it's working, you got to trade it and trade the leaders of the day. Um, this certainly, this asset class, this asset class is a leader of the day. But then you come along and you get yourself the stamp of approval uh, from a pretty smart gentleman named Elon Musk. And man, that guy can move the market some, eh? <laughs> you know, he even talked about Do- Dogecoin and all of a sudden uh, what, what the founder even said was not even worth it was it moved it. But yeah, no, Elon is a, when he did it with Tesla, which it's not just Elon. You had, you know, Jack Dorsey with Square. You had, you know, MicroStrategy. You had all these companies actually coming up and using it as a, a form of cash on their balance sheets. And that all of a sudden changed, you know, people's mindsets of this as, you know, something different than just a, you know, kind of uh, uh, this um, asset that people were speculating on. Do you think the world could go to a single currency? Call it Bitcoin. I don't think that that's what this is all about. I think what ultimately will happen, I mean, is, you know, it's it's the pipes that ultimately sit on top of this. I mean, you know, Canada will issue its currency and, and U.S. will issue its currency and there will be alternative forms of currency. Remember, currency, if you, if you go back in history, I mean, people used to use stones as currency and apples as currency and things like that. But ultimately, currency yeah, is, right. a, yeah. is a story, right? And that all it is is about is someone else willing to accept that asset for, you know, exchange of goods. What ultimately this is about, though, is, is I think it's the infrastructure, and that's the fascinating part of it, the infrastructure that, that underpins this, which is the blockchain, which is effectively a decentralized infrastructure. That, I believe, will be a future way of digital currency models, and I, but I do think that you'll see many different currencies in the future. Um, some, uh, what's next? Uh, Competition is going to be coming. Uh, is there going to be a dilutive factor with respect to cryptocurrencies? Uh, right now, it really is Bitcoin. Um, is it winner take all, uh, or is there room for competition? So, I mean, look, competition's already been around, but I don't think that's where you should have to think about this. Bitcoin is um, was the first, and, and Frank, as I said to you, as, a, as an innovator, you know, no one's really. I mean, I, I'm not innovating on Bitcoin. I know there's lots of Bitcoin enthusiasts. I'm. I would be innovating on Ethereum because I think that has much more applicability. But the point of it, though, is because the way the software underpins this. Bitcoin will be always valuable. I mean, one thing that March proved was that it's not going away. And, and that's the thing that people have to understand. Bitcoin will always be here. It is never going away. It's undestroyable. And for that reason, it's a very valuable asset. It has pivoted from a technology asset to really a software that is a store of value asset. Uh, whereas the innovation that's happening in call it 2.0 and 3.0 and things like that are happening in other areas, other protocols like Ethereum. But I don't think that Bitcoin is going away because it's not like the MySpace of, you know, Facebook, you know, that, that's not the way this works. You have to really understand the underlying bit blockchain technology, the infrastructure and the software value that, that ultimately is pivoted here. And that's why I look at Bitcoin differently. I like Bitcoin, but I, you know, I like it for its first to market supply and demand um, and store of value. I, I like I don't like it for the technology per se. 
I mean, meaning that, that the applicability to applications in the future. We're speaking with Sam Seff. He's the founder of Purpose Investments. Uh, Purpose Investments right here on Bay Street uh, have launched three uh, Bitcoin ETFs. Again, you've heard about Bitcoin. It's this new investment asset class. Uh, some people are getting rich by it. Uh, be careful, of course, my good friends. You have to be careful with stuff like this and truly do your homework. But uh, it is now easier to, pur uh, to purchase thanks to uh, Purpose Investments. You'll be very proud of your uh, launch. Uh, Jack, I know you got a quick question here for uh, our friend Sam before we have to part ways. Go ahead. Sure. Thanks, Wolf. Uh, yeah, just looking at how the ETF is structured there, Sam. Um, in terms of market stress, that's where people really, um, some, some weaknesses, I guess, come out in these ETFs. So how have you guys protected against that? And um, just speak to the importance of the, uh, the liquidity of the underlying asset to make sure that you get efficient pricing. Yeah, so we've really structured this um, amazing. I mean, we're, we're like, we're, Purpose is a legitimate firm that's been around for a long time building, and we have a lot of uh, experience in this, solving complex problems like this. We've done it with all different assets from cash to, you know, dividend strategies to, you know, kind of unique areas. Um, but I would say is it's the institutionalization of the infrastructure, uh, so custodians, um, we have institutional, you know, custodians like Gemini, institutional market makers for liquidity, and then, and, and effectively, it's it's all about the elegance of the ETF structure and getting the, call it, you know, the liquidity, day-to-day uh, -day model, intraday liquidity with a, you know, asset that is, you know, unique and, and like Bitcoin. A lot of pipes went into that, a lot of work went into it, and we're really proud of being able to bring this to the market as the first. Well, Jack, we have to continue to think about it, and uh, at least now uh, we have access to a very efficient means of, purpose, uh, of purchasing it. Uh, we have purchased the GLD before for clients, and it served us well. Um, here's a way, of course, for us to now look at a new asset class. Well, it's a long road ahead, my good friends, and we are here to take care of uh, you. If you have any questions, by the way, for Jack or I, uh, WolfgangKlein.com is where you can find us, your one-stop shop money portal. Um, straight up advice is what we provide. Uh, we're always here for you, my good friends. Again, that's at WolfgangKlein.com. We're going to speak to a uh, market technician, our good friend Don Velo, a veteran of Bay Street, some 50 years of experience. They're the type of people I like to hang out with because they've seen this movie before. So I'm Steve. Uh, congratulations once again. Uh, Purpose Investments, uh, Bitcoin ETF now available. Uh, the symbol on Toronto is BTCC. That's Bob, Tony, Charlie, Charlie on Toronto. Well, you can get the first pot ETF on Toronto. Why not the first Bitcoin ETF, eh? That's what we Canucks can do. We got some innovation up here, and I'm very proud of it, as should you. Uh, Sam, thank you. Have yourself a great weekend. Uh, more Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Searching for shelter again, again. Against the wind. Little something against the wind. I found myself seeking shelter. Yeah, you know, Jack, I got to say, I've got friends at home, um, Bay and Wall Street, uh, when you're against the wind, <laughs> there's not a lot of shelter. No, on Bay and Wall Street, you're supposed to set 
your sails to the gales. Well, sometimes you hit a storm and uh, I'm feeling like we're in a bit of a storm right here, right now. Uh, markets are getting a little unrattled, but that's uh, par for the course. Uh, we've been expecting a correction. That's markets had such an incredible move with all that uh, easy money going on around there and the returns that people have been receiving. Uh, so uh, as the start of the year, we we're expecting a correction of somewhere between, you know, 10 and 20 percent at some point in the next 12 months. Not, you know, terribly accurate uh, roadmap, but it's some kind of a guidepost. And, uh, you know, if you can set your expectations correctly in advance, it can help you get through the tough times. Uh, if they catch you off guard and by surprise, uh, you will, well, uh, be surprised and uh, it won't be a pleasant surprise, I shall say. Um, but again, the, you speak to strategists, uh, as Jack and I do each and every day, uh, with the amount of central bank printing, with interest rates being low and cheap, uh, and the central bank speak again and saying they're going to allow in uh, inflation to run wild and hot. Um, it looks like the next three to five years, the market shall work its way higher. Anything can happen between now and then. Uh, but Don Velo, uh, a good friend of mine, a market technician, uh, an author uh, with Tech Talk, uh, is here to join us. Uh, Don, uh, based on the tape, let's, let's, let's talk about reading the tape, the old ticker tape. Uh, did you ever have one of those, by the way, on your desk with the little glass dome? Yeah, it's nice to have that little uh, line on, under your charts to see what's going on. It's very, very you had, you, you You had one of those, eh? Sure, sure. Wow, wow. You got to show me that, baby. Wow, it's incredible. Antiques Roadshow, eh? That's where you find one of those now. Uh, we're talking about Bitcoin and the digitizing of assets. and Well, it's amazing how the world does change and evolve. Uh, so, Don, based on your experience, uh, tell me, what is the tape? the ticker tape telling you about where we are in the market cycle? Well, what's happening is that the U.S. and Canadian equity markets are closely tracking the U.S. presidential cycle. That's the four-year cycle. And uh, historically, the strongest period of time during the four-year presidential cycle is from U.S. presidential election day until inauguration day on January the 20th. Uh, the, on average, uh, the uh, S&P 500 has gone up 2.6% during that period of time since 1952. And uh, this year, it's done much better. This year, we've seen both the TSE Composite and the S&P 500 index from presidential election day to inauguration day go up 10.5%. So that seasonal trade has worked very, very well this year. But here, here we are now, uh, uh, you know, Biden's well entrenched, uh, oh. seeking trillions of dollars um, for aid. Uh, I will say, I think the world's very, very impressed um, uh, with their vaccination program. They are moving now at lightning speed and all eyes are on Canada and saying, what in the world are we doing? Uh, so you can certainly see uh, uh, green shoots in the reopening uh, theses. And you are seeing certainly the Dow Industrials made a new high this week, uh, which are the old economy type names. NASDAQ is under some siege right now. Uh, take us forward, uh, Don. How do you see the remainder of 20? And again, it's a tough call, but I like to play the game. The remainder of 2021 playing out. Canadian market, U.S. market, technology, value growth, um, uh, closed economy, opening economy stocks. Yeah, it's fascinating because uh, what we had uh, during after the election was a regime change from uh, Republicans to Democrats. And when you get regime change, 
markets have a very similar pattern. Historically, there's a bit of a honeymoon period for, uh, for the next uh, three or four weeks after Inauguration Day. That would take you to the middle of February. And then things don't go very well. See, the president makes all kinds of uh, suggestions, and then all of a sudden he starts to realize that, uh, hey, uh, all these things I've been suggesting have to get through Congress, and uh, this may not happen as quickly as I had thought. So historically, from the middle of February to April the 6th, we see exactly what you've been calling uh, a market correction in both the U.S. and Canadian equity markets. Not that substantial, but about 2.5% per period going back to, to uh, 1952. So we just entered into this period of time where markets have a tendency in North America to not do too well. Well, you're certainly feeling the pressure and uh, based on the move up we've had, I, I, at some point, I, Don, uh, all of my work is telling me we are ripe for a 15 to 20% correction. It'll be viable. And again, in speaking with Tony Dwyer, Chief Strategist, we don't want to get negative. We certainly don't want to get too negative even right here. Uh, if you have dry ammunition, uh, keep it dry if you can uh, and wait for opportunities. But the question is how shallow uh, will the pullbacks be? Uh, and again, once you see something breaking down, uh, you're, you don't want to be the first man in. Uh, but again, the turns happen quick as well, so it becomes very difficult. Uh, and if you don't have enough money to leg your way through it, you know, give some advice to us, to, Don. How do you go about uh, taking advantage of any kind of weakness? Yeah, what the, the problem you have here is that the North, North American markets are not the best, best place to invest right now. There are other markets. We'll probably uh, avoid that correction that you're talking about. The correction will happen because of... Uh, uh, say a re recovery of, of COVID into the markets, and that will not be good. So the question is, where do you go? Well, there are other markets in the world that you can go into, most notably in the Far East. These are markets which have already overcome the COVID problem. Uh, COVID is virtually uh, non-existent in places like uh, Vietnam, China, South Korea. And so you can invest into those markets, and they have a history of outperforming the market at this time of year. Yeah, Jack and I do have a position in China. We also have a position in emerging markets. And uh, I will say they are holding in, I think, relatively well. I say relative to uh, the U.S. market. The Canadian dollar as well has been absolutely on fire. That's a play, of course, on commodities uh, and the cyclicality uh, of what's taking place economically speaking. And my good friends, the show's time to wrap up. I want to wish you a great and safe weekend. Uh, be prosperous, be healthy, be wise, and be generous. Help thy neighbor. Help your brothers and sisters. That's what life is all about. Uh, my good friends, you be safe. Uh, always a pleasure. Jack, good job as always. Don Velo, market technician. I want to thank you very much for spending some time this evening with us. iFi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.